Welcome to Advent Christian Voices with the Renewed Church Podcast. I am your very handsome host, Eric Reynolds, and I'm joined by everyone's favorite communications director, who's a little bit less handsome than I am, slash church health guy, Justin Nash. What's up, man? I'm actually a lot less handsome than you, Eric, So, but it was kind of you to say that. Well, the only reason is that you don't have manly facial hair like I have. I do have facial hair. Uh, well, the goatee, you know, leaves a little to be desired. Yeah. Well, my my wife doesn't like it when I have a full beard, so that's why I don't. One of the reasons I don't have one. Oh, okay. Well, no. Okay. Um, we are seeking to lead the discussion while providing practical advice on church health among Advent Christian churches. Justin, so now that the everyone who's listening knows that I'm now the pastor of Hickory Grove Advent Christian Church. I've been here for about a week now, a little over. Last week, the week we moved in, guess what someone took us to? Uh, Bojangles. Oh, wow. That's Bojangles every day, man. That, Bojangles every day. I'm talking about, like, what was something special? Uh, did you, there, Mule Days? What? Mule Days. You have Mule Days there in Benson. Yeah, it's a big, it's a big thing. I can't remember I what time of year it is there. Uh, not yet. I don't know. Tractor pull. Have you not, have you not, do you not follow me on Facebook? Uh, obviously not closely enough. So we had someone graciously take us to a Hurricanes Bruins game. Oh, uh, oh yeah, yeah, I did see that. Know, that's yeah. hockey. Yeah, I'm, I'm familiar. Yeah. It was great. The Bruins won. Um, there were a lot of Bruins fans in the arena. Of course there were, because everybody from up north is moving down here because it's so much nicer. Dude, it is so much. It's like 50-something, maybe 60-something degrees. And people, uh, I saw people on Instagram back home that are taking pictures of the frost on their windshields. And it is glorious to be below the Mason-Dixon line right now. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you're going to love this winter. You will not shovel any snow. I like it. I like it. So, Jay Nash, what are we discussing today? Uh, we're just discussing six prerequisites for a successful church revitalization. Sort of, what are six kind of attitudes or character traits that the leadership in your church really needs to have in order to begin a successful revitalization in your church? You know, the only criticism I have of the six prerequisites that you have shared or mm-hmm. will share mm-hmm. is that it's not an acronym. Uh, it's not an acronym. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'll work on that. Yeah, we need to work on that. Or, or so, would, would would alliteration would that would that be acceptable as well? Absolutely. Okay. I'm, all right. All right. I'm well, all about alliteration, man. All right. Well, I'll work on that. Um, I'll I'll try to fix this um, for later usage. So, future podcasts, we will give you six prerequisites for a successful church revitalization, but they'll just be a little bit different because they'll be all alliterated. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Is alliterate, is that a verb? I think so, yeah. We'll okay. go with it. That's well, we're in the South. We can make up our own words, right? Yeah, like you don't make up words up North. So. That's true. All right, fair enough. Well, enough horsing around there, Jay Nash. Time to whip you into shape. What is our first prerequisite for a successful church revitalization? Honesty. Uh, what's, it's just key. Honest, honestly what? Honesty, not honestly. Um, you, you have to be willing to make an honest assessment of the situation. 
Okay. Uh, it's, it's just absolutely imperative. If, if you're not willing to, uh, you know, Jim Collins talks about it in, in his book, Good to Great, you have to be willing to confront the brutal facts. You just have to be willing to do that. And if, you're, if you can't go in this openly and honestly um, and prepared for the truth no matter what, it's probably not a process you really want to start until you do that. Mm. Truth can be painful, and so that's why people avoid it. But it can actually bring joy and, and a, lot of, a lot of healing and a lot of really good things. Mm-hmm. But it's the very first stop to being healthier. Um, denial can be absolutely deadly. Mm-hmm. You know, if you think of it in terms of your, your health, your physical health, if your blood sugar is high, if, mm-hmm. if you just say, well, I don't like that, so I'm not going to think about it, I'm not going to talk about it, it's not going to get any better. It's only going to mm-hmm. get worse. And so you can have all kinds of terrible things happen. Um, you know, you, the problem's only going to get worse. Um, as leaders, you're going to have regrets in the future. Well, I, boy, boy, I wish I had dealt with that. I wish I had brought this out. Uh, there's going to be no urgency for change where change is needed. There's going to be frustration and conflict, and people aren't going to know exactly why because the thing's bumbling, you know, kind of bumbling under the surface. Um, a lot of times churches who are in this situation tolerate open and flagrant sin. They don't, they don't deal with it because they're in denial because they won't talk about it. They won't deal with it. I I think one of the things that really makes it deadly to revitalization is if you don't deal with things honestly and you're just in denial the whole time, you will lose your best members. You will lose the people that, that really you want on the team people that are, are that are dedicated and committed because they want to be in a situation where they can make a difference. They're not interested in maintenance. Mm. Maintenance. That goes back to the last podcast. It does. Yeah. And so there's some crossover really between this one and the last one just a little bit. And I, I think you'll, you'll start to see that, but it's, it's just so important um, that we, that we're willing to be honest because it's impossible to make a good decision without an honest confrontation of the, with the facts. Mm-hmm. But if we start with an honest and, and diligent effort to, to determine the truth of the situation, oftentimes the right decisions become self-evident. We struggle with making decisions a lot of times knowing what to do simply because we haven't been honest at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Next. What's next, Jay Nash? Ownership. We have to be willing to take like four ownership. Um, yeah, not exactly, but you have to be willing to take full responsibility for the structures and situations that currently exist in your church. It's not helpful to, to blame anybody, you know, and we do that so often. We try to pass the blame on on the people that came before us. Mm -hmm. We try to say, well, if, if the board hadn't made this decision, or if the church hadn't made this decision, or if pastor Bob or whoever hadn't done this or that, um, and so they just try to pass the buck and blame other people. They try to make, we'll try to make excuses that doesn't help anything at all. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you're in the situation that you're in. It doesn't help, you know, it might help to go back and say, well, let's not make this mistake again. Right. But you can't live in that. You have to move forward and say, well, this is where we're at now. How do we get to where we need to be? Exactly. The purpose of an assessment is not to know who to blame, it's mm-hmm. to know how to get better. Right. 
And, and that's what we have to keep in mind. And that can be tricky sometimes because when you're evaluating, and I think it can often come across, people see decline, pastors, leaders particularly, see decline as a personal failure and a, an indictment of their personal abilities or character or whatever. Uh, so you, you, you don't want to blame people. You just want to look at problems. Right. And it's important to understand how you got there. But basically what I'm saying is, is as a pastor, so you're a new pastor stepping into a new church, and I think you're probably stepping into a, to a pretty healthy situation there. But if you weren't, you know, one of the things you, that you'd want to be really careful about is don't blame the guy that came before. Mm-hmm. Don't blame a certain group of people for the problems. Own them like they're yours. Own it like mm-hmm. you've been there a hundred years and you've been pastor and you've overseen everything that's happened, even if you just got there today. Mm-hmm. That will help if you can if you can act out of that frame of mind. Right. Yeah, I think there's a lot of wisdom in that because there might have been decisions or ways that <clears throat> I'm not even saying the previous pastor, but it could be just previous board decisions and things like that. Then go back and look and go, oof, I wish we could have handled it a little bit differently. Regardless, um, those are the that, – that's – that we're in the position that we're in. And uh, we need to embrace where we're at and, and head forward and, and move in a uh, positive direction where the Lord is, is leading. You know, it right. doesn't help to go back and say, hey, you dummies. You know, right. that, that's, that's not going to work out well for anybody. Right, even if it was a, a really bad decision – and or even something terribly disobedient i mean it does it you're right it doesn't help there's no there's no virtue in that there's no productivity in that right uh next our sixth prerequisite for a successful church revitalization is i think it's our third prerequisite not what did sixth. i say you said you're our sixth i think this is our third uh, sorry I, man i get a cold i'm not on top of my game today unless i phased out um com- phased out. commitment so we've got to remember that church revitalization is long, hard, and painful work. And so we've really got to be committed to the process up front that we're going to see it through. When you look at a declining church, if you think of it in terms of we're, we're in a war, and I think we forget that sometimes. And when you look at a declining or a dying church, you, you know, the enemy is completely, he's completely happy with that. He's completely comfortable with that. And when you start trying to regain that territory for the glory of God, there's, there are going to be retaliations. There's going to be spiritual warfare. There's going to be conflict. And in revitalizations, it's just the nature of it because of change. You're going to lose people. You're going to lose finances. There are going to be times of discouragement. You, you could possibly face financial problems. You're going to try things, and they're not going to work. You're going to, you're going to have failures. And so you just have to have real, real commitment up front that we're going to see this thing through. And that's why it really has to be the effort of a group, not an individual. Mm-hmm. Because you need a group to hold one another accountable to this. Because if you're trying to lead by yourself, eventually you're probably, unless you're just extraordinary in a number of ways and, and God is really guiding and driving all that you're doing, there are going to be times of, of deep discouragement and hurt, and you're going to need somebody who's going to 
come alongside you, who's going to, who's going to hold you accountable to your commitment, encourage you, strengthen you, maybe correct you and, and move on. And there are going to be times when that person is going to need you to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And so that's what, why we need each other so desperately in this revitalization process, particularly among leadership. But the bottom line is if you can't give that kind of commitment up front, you probably shouldn't start. You're probably going to do more damage to the church than if you just didn't do anything at all. Right. That's good. So say you're committed. Then your next prerequisite would be patience. Boom. Uh, So revitalization, it takes a long time. Sometimes lots and lots of times. Remember we talked about it earlier, there is no silver bullet. And so we want to be patient as we work through the process. This is particularly important for pastors to think about because sometimes because pastors have a unique view of the church, they can see things from 30,000 feet. They can see things in, in ways that a lot of times the laity in the church can't. And their perspective is different. And so we want to, you know, you want to rush in and you want to change this and change that because you see this thing that needs to be fixed and that thing that needs to be fixed. And there's this problem here and there. And so what we do is we just sort of come in and we just, we get so far ahead of people and trying to lead them that they mistake us for the enemy and shoot us. Mm. That's what happens. And so Especially you, in North Carolina. Right. It's so very, very possible. <laughs> and, and so when you think about patience, as, particularly as a leader, make sure you don't overwhelm people with information. Okay. Give them bite-sized pieces of information they can use and, and, and process. So, so you feed a little bit at a time. For Clarity is key. Clarity is absolutely essential. Um, I read a book a number of years ago. It was about just change generally. It said the number one uh, the number one reason for opposition to change is a lack of clarity. If people don't understand what you're doing and more importantly, why you're doing it, they will oppose it. Mm-hmm. Even if it's a good thing. So you want to make sure people have clarity, be patient in explaining the need for the change. Not everybody's going to see it at the same time you do. So you have to be willing and, and there's going to be, not everybody's ever going to see it. I mean, there's going to be a certain, portion of a population of a church is never going to see a need for change. So I'm not saying you got to bring everybody along, but you want to bring most of the people along. Give people an opportunity to speak into the process. It's important for people to be heard, and it can be really, really an encouraging thing. Um, again, I'm, I'm a, this is something I just said, but I want to say it again, is that make sure everyone understands the why, understands why you're proposing this solution. What is the purpose? gain clarity on that. And then finally, just focus on one thing at a time. Um, So often, again, particularly in revitalization situations, there's so many different things that need to be addressed. Our sort of, our nature is, well, let's try to fix all of them at once and that won't work. We just don't have the bandwidth to handle that. So just focus on doing one thing at a time and just be patient. Um, On average, it takes three to five years for a revitalizing church to see fruit. It's a long time. And so you have to, to, to really dig in. And the recommendation for, uh, for a pastor going into a revitalization situation is if you can't plan on being there for 10 years, don't go. Right. Because it's going to take at least three to five years before you start to see any fruit at all mm-hmm. uh, if, in a typical situation. Well, patience, patience man, is, <clears throat> is difficult. I think 
I think Tom Rainer has quoted other, another guy with this quote, but I'm paraphrasing because I can't remember it right off the top of my head. But essentially, um, don't overestimate what you can do in one year, but don't underestimate what you can do over 10 years. Right, exactly. Yeah. Um, there's, there are going to be things, you know, coming into a new pastor, uh, you know, I shared, we had our annual business meeting this past week and I shared uh, my report and I have three top priorities. It doesn't mean it's going to be the only things I do, but these are going to be the three main focuses I have. And uh, talk about alliteration, uh, preaching, prayer, and personal relationships. Now, personal mm-hmm. relationships, I include the visitation, hospital visits, right. phone calls, grabbing lunch with folks and things like that. But even, you know, meeting with other pastors and, and building relationships within the church leadership. But those three things, because, man, I know I got to learn the culture of this church, the culture of this community. And... Um, who am I to come in and say, Hey, we got to change 101 things. Like, I, I don't know anything about, you know, mm-hmm. I, of course I did my due diligence and learning as much as I could about the church and about the people, but it takes some time to, to learn how to specifically love them. Um, and spending time with them, creating personal relationships influences how I pray for them and how I prepare a sermon for them, um, and preach to them. So, and really the the church has to be founded on the word of God, which comes, you know, the church comes together weekly for the sharing of the word of God through the sermon. Um, so it kind of builds off of that. So um, that's why I thought those would be three key priorities for mm-hmm. me at least. And what I'm not a patient person. Like I'm someone, you know, I've already, you know, I've had people come to me, Oh, I wish we could do this. I wish we could do that. You know, I've been here a week you know, you know, so there are a number of things, man. I could make, I could write out probably 50 different things that um, people have either said, oh, maybe what if we tweaked this or what if we did that or brought up different things? Mm-hmm. It's like, man, l- l- let me figure some stuff out first, you know. Um, we got to be patient, you know. So I figure those three top, top priorities will slow me down and not try and bite off more than I can chew and do, do a disservice to the church. Right, right, absolutely. All right, so number five. Blessed hope. Yeah, hope. I mean, it's not all doom and gloom. Really. Hey, this number five, can I just can I just uh, stop you real quick? Yeah. Number five, this fifth prerequisite out of six. Remember, fifth, not the sixth prerequisite. Right. The fifth prerequisite, right. hope. This is brought to you by the Blessed Hope Catechism, the brand new Advent Christian Catechism uh, that you can buy uh, at ACGC uh, through them. Um and, and Justin can offer you some steep discounts if you, uh, the more you order. So if you buy a thousand, then uh, you could probably get it fairly cheap, right, Justin? Yeah, yeah, we could make you a deal on a thousand for sure. How much would a thousand be? I don't know, but I could, I'm sure it would be a deal. Okay, uh, well, I appreciate that. So, and if you're dissatisfied with the Blessed Hope Catechism, uh, feel free to ask for a um, reimbursement from Jay Nash's uh, personal treasury. Yeah, they, can, they can ask all they want. They can ask all they want. <laughs> so uh, hope, man. Hope is our fifth prerequisite. Yeah. Remember who we're working for, right? I mean, we're, we're, we're talking about the God who spoke and out of nothing, everything left into existence. The God who brings, brings uh, life from death mm-hmm. and the, the guy, the God who, who, brings abundant fruit in barren places. And I think it's just so important that we not forget that and, and that we not just get so reliant on our own strength, our own ability, our own wisdom, that we, that we try to 
that, that we forget that it's really, if the church is revitalized, if it's renewed, if it's revived, it's only going to be through God's work, through his spirit. Mm-hmm. But he is a God who can do far more than we can ask or even imagine. And so we need to be hopeful, not in our church or not in ourselves, but in God and his power. So, yeah, I think it's. Which, so which, our hope should be, our hope should be in Christ and in God's work, not necessarily hope in, well, this new pastor, he's going to really bring people in or right. you know, we just need to get this one person on the board or man, no matter how, um, our, our hope can't be in man-made strategies, but our hope has to be in the saving work of Christ. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. And, and God's power working in and through his people. And I mean, that's a pretty amazing power source to have. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, in his timing, just tr- and goes back to patience where it's hard is just to trust God's timing in this because he doesn't normally work on our timetable. Amen. Lastly, but not least. Yeah. So this is last, but I think it's fundamental. It's foundational. It's, it really could have easily been the first thing uh, that we talked about because it's so essential to each of the other five, that, and that's the idea of prayer. Mm. Um, we've got to remember that church revitalization is something that only God can do, mm-hmm. as we just talked about. So we have to pray, pray, pray. And I'm not talking about perfunctory prayers. I'm not talking about, Lord, bless us, Lord, help us, amen, and you know, I'm talking about sackcloth and ashes, weeping and and that sort of thing before the Lord and really just covering everything we do in the revitalization effort in the church and prayer and seeking God and, and looking for his for his wisdom and his strength and his courage and all these different things that we so desperately need. Um, there, the reality is there has never been a successful and sustaining change in the church without prayer. Mm. And so we absolutely have just got to commit ourselves so deeply to it that and it and it and it should absolutely just infuse everything that we do. Prayer has to be part of the <clears throat> the beginning, the end, and everywhere in between. Absolutely, there's no question yeah. about it. You know what, Justin? This is we've shot two pretty good podcasts today. I think. I think so. Yeah, it's quite hit top ten on uh, iTunes. Well, I had the, okay. Well, God can do anything, I guess. <laughs> uh, listen, we don't charge anything or make any money. In fact, we do this uh, out of the just because we want to help churches. If you could leave a review on iTunes, uh, that would be great. And we'd like you to know that this podcast is brought to you not because we made any money, but just because I like to give Justin a hard time. This has been brought to you by. The upcoming Everett Christian Leaders Conference. Uh, what is it? Two hundred and eighty-five dollars. I think it's two seventy-five. Two seventy-five. But if when you sign up, you use the uh, the code Renewed Church Podcast, Justin will give you fifteen percent off. Uh, actually, if you use the code Renewed Church Podcast, it actually adds twenty dollars to your. Oh man! Okay. Well. Um, Justin, what's the most exciting thing uh, that's going to be coming out of this uh, this leaders conference? What are you excited for? Well, I'm just really excited because it, we have a plan for people for for the leaders that attend to really leave here with a unique 
plan that's contextualized for their unique church setting or ministry setting to develop leaders in their church. Mm-hmm. And it's not a one-size-fits-all, plug-and-play kind of thing. We have Dr. Kevin Peck coming, who is a, is a leadership expert, really, I guess is the best way to say it. Uh, and he's just really, I mean, you're going to have one-on-one with one of the best leadership guys in evangelical Christianity today that you'll have one-on-one time with him to sit there and to help think through and develop a real actionable plan, regardless of what your context is. You know what I'm most excited for? What's that? That uh, now eh, I don't have to drive that far to go to it because in Asheville, North Carolina at the Billy Graham Center, um, where it was beautiful the last time, you got to see the mountain range. Yeah. Uh, there was all you could eat ice cream. There, they had chicken that that far surpassed the chicken, the holy chicken of Chick Fil A. Uh, there were endless amounts of sweet tea. Uh, it was great. The company was okay. Yeah, well, unfortunately, we're not going to be at the Cove in 2019. What? what? Yeah, we're, we're going to be at uh, South Mans. I thought uh, I thought it'd be closer to the AC Leaders Conference. Yeah, we we are actually headed north to uh, the Lador Conference Center in Waymark, Pennsylvania, which is right outside Scranton. So um, we're hoping that Michael Scott can make an appearance while we're there. I mean, we don't know. So don't know I have to I have to binge watch The Office before uh, the before the AC. Yeah. The bet you you absolutely if you don't watch anything else, watch the fire drill. It's the best ever. Which season is that? I don't know. Just YouTube it just office fire drill because that's all you really want to watch anyways. Just that little I've watched the office on and off again like the fir- I think I'm halfway through the first season. Mm-hmm. But I just haven't got like there are funny parts to it. Mm-hmm. I'm more of a Parks and Rec guy. I love Parks and Rec. Yeah. Ron Swanson is my spirit animal. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, uh, but here's the thing, man. I, have you guys started planning for the next triennial? Uh, we know where it's going to be and when it's going to be. <coughs> Wait, where's it going to be? Can you release that yet? Is this going to sure. be an ACB? Sure. No, it's, um, we're, we're really, we're actually really excited about that. It's going to be, technically it's in Concord, North Carolina. I mean, it's just basically Charlotte, but it's going to be at the Great Wolf Lodge. And so uh, we're hoping people will be able to bring their families because as a part of uh, the, the fee for if, or your, your stay there, you know, you have access to the great water park they have there. What? There's ton. Yeah. It's a, it's an amazing water park. So like my wife hates meetings and hates, mm-hmm. she would hate. Right. Trying. Right. Um, so you, you bring, you, you bring your family, your kids can, can play in the water park all day. Concord Mills mall is less than a mile away. Uh, tons of places to to eat that you can walk up. You're just up the street from Charlotte Motor Speedway, so if you if, if you're into racing. So we're super excited uh, about the venue. We're gonna have it a little bit later. It'll be in August of 2020. Uh, we're trying to accommodate some of our our camping programs. That we were Is this the first in. time that you guys have moved it this significantly? Since I've been here, I don't I don't know historically, um, but. Uh, but anyway, because it was conflicting with a number of our camping programs, and so we were trying to to mm-hmm. move away from those conflicts. And so, yeah, we we it'll be in in Concord and okay. at Great at Great Wolf Lodge, and we're super excited about that. And uh, early in sometime next year, we'll start sending out material to 
remind people to hold that date. Um, yeah, we're super well, that's really exciting, man, because uh, last time I had to drive 12 hours with a pack with a car packed with guys from uh, the eastern region, and now I can just drive straight to Charlotte. You get about three hours or less, probably, from where you are. So yeah. That's good, man. Depending on how you drive, I guess. I guarantee you. <laughs> you know, if anyone's still listening, um, this is kind of the banter that we go back and forth with anyway uh, when we're off the air. Um, but we should, because we're so close together, we should do like a live, not a yeah. live podcast, but like in-person podcast. Right, right. Yeah, we'll, yeah. Have to, we'll have to work on that uh, maybe sometime in the next couple of months and come out and we'll have lunch. I'll take you to Bojangles so you can have more sweet tea. Oh, man. And uh, and then uh, we'll, yeah, we'll do a podcast or two. That'd be great. That sounds good. Uh, we found a good coffee shop that has a meeting room in it. Oh, excellent. It's a local. It has like a, you can use the meeting room and it's a, uh, coffee shop slash brewery. Mm, okay. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, that is interesting. It shouldn't get you in any trouble at all. Well, I don't think so. So, um, <clears throat> I don't know what you mean because coffee is, is very well received down here. So, um, coffee and sweet tea. All right, man. Well, I think that's enough banter. Probably no one is listening. Um, but if you are, thanks for joining us. I hope it wasn't a complete waste of your time. Uh, if it is, it's probably all Justin's fault. And I uh, hope to do better the next time, as they say on uh, Justin's favorite TV show, Part of the Interruption. Take care. God bless. 